Good morning. With communion today, I think those songs were very well in order. Uh, and there's times when I get done singing songs and I say, why am I even bothering? I could just sit down and we could go on with communion and be done with it. Uh, this morning, uh, I want to talk about being a servant. The servanthood of Christ and what that means to us. Uh, what does it mean to be a servant? What does it include? What does it exclude? In our society today, we are not a society of servants. Very simply put, we are a society that is a me, myself, and I society. If it's not my way, then we go some other way. If you don't like my ball, if you can't play ball with me, I'll take my ball and go home. And we just generally tend to follow that. And it's so sad, but it's so much in the church. We have so many things happening that we forget what it means to be a servant. I thought about switching my sermon about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. The men's Sunday school class from, what is it, the letters to the church was on being a servant. And I thought, them poor guys, they sat in this class, but now I think they've had three weeks since then, so I don't know how much uh, they have remembered or Im imp implemented into their life or whatever, but I thought about that. Uh, and it was sort of ironic that I'd already been thinking about this sermon because I knew it was Communion Sunday, probably before that even, and uh, I thought, well, we're just going to go. It's just the way it is. So yesterday when I was getting my notes together, I said, okay, we can go this way. And you know what? It was like trying to fly a lead balloon. And so we came back to where the original was, and that's where we're at this morning. I want to turn to John 13. Uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And we have always used that as a as a uh, reference for feet washing. It's there, but I want you to think about something. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not mention it. They never say a word about it. Now you get to the book of John, and John doesn't even talk about the Lord's Supper. It's not even there. I was reading it, and I read it about three times, and I finally said to Marianne, it's not there. And she said, oh, yeah, it is. And so she went looking for it. She finally said, no, it's not. It is not given as the Lord's Supper. But John does this part of it. And I think if you go to 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul talks about the Lord's Supper. But he doesn't talk about feet washing. So it's the idea. Uh, before we read it, 
One of, there was a couple things that really stuck out to me. And uh, the life of Christ was a life of service. Total service. So often we see the miracles he did, the parables he told, had something to do with service. Uh, or not. Uh, I'm not sure is it Matthew 23 where he does the seven woes to the Pharisees and in those seven woes is the opposite of being a servant. I mean he just and he points the Pharisees directly and says this is what's happening and he doesn't ask a whole lot of questions he just says you know woe to you and at one point he says if the things that were done in in your town right now were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented and those cities would still be around. And that's an incredible indictment against the Jewish leaders. So anyhow, this morning we're going to go to John 13 and we're going to start uh, at verse 1. Uh, I think we'll read probably the first 14 verses. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into him, into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And that whenever I see the word never, I always think of Uncle Eli. He would always say, never is a long, long time. And it is. If you say never, it's a long, long time. And Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one that ha who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Then he washed their feet, put on his outer garments, resumed his place, and said unto them, do you understand what I have done? You call me teacher and Lord. You are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should, that you also should do just as I have done. And then he goes on to explain a little more. One of the first things that comes out in being a servant, and especially Jesus uh, amplified it here, is humility. When you think about what he did, they were all sitting around the table, reclining, 
And the one that should have stayed seated was the one that got up. He got up and took off his outer garments, probably a robe, girded himself with a towel, and went and got water. And I think at this point, there wasn't a single disciple sitting there that knew what was happening at that point yet. They were all baffled. In, uh, in the book, Letters to the Churches, Francis Chan says, how would you feel if Jesus knelt in front of you to wash your feet? And I, I distinctly remember his saying, what he wrote. He wrote and said, I would probably cry uncontrollably. I thought about it and I said, I don't think I'd cry uncontrollably, but I think I would probably be in such awe that I couldn't do anything. How would you feel if this morning we set a basin down here and Jesus came up and washed your feet. What kind of impression does that have on you? It took me a while to picture it in my mind, but once I pictured it, it was very, very clear. And you know, I would probably do like Peter did. I'd probably argue. You're not going to do this, Lord. That's not the way it's supposed to be done. But then you got to look at it from his point of view. If I don't do it, you're not part of me. And so Jesus got up, and in his humility, he became servant of all. Philippians 5, he, I mean, Philippians 2, 5 to 9, he says, Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery. To be equal with God, but yet was willing to lay down his life for us. Humility is the first one. Mark chapter 10, verses uh, 43, 4, and 5, I think it is, say something to the fact that <clears throat> Jesus did not come into this world to be served, he came into this world to serve and I think that's the challenge for all of us is when we come together do we come together to serve or do we come together to be served one of the things I think is very very relevant for us is for our church is there's a lot of people who do service here for others, help others, do things for others. And I think that's a very positive thing. But what would happen if everybody would try to outserve everybody else? Did you ever think about that? What if everybody would try to be a servant to everybody else? I don't know how that would work. I really don't. But uh, it's a thought that if you're a servant, you should be willing to serve. The second thing in this chapter, verses 6 through 12, is Jesus seeing an opportunity. 
he had all 12 disciples sitting right there. They were all there. There was not Thomas off doing whatever he was doing and somebody else off. They were all there, including Judas. And in that, Judas had the choice. He could have turned to Jesus and asked for forgiveness. But it says here that the devil had already entered his heart. So all 12 were there. Opportunities. You go to Jesus, you go through the Gospels and look at the opportunities he used for miracles and for parables. He saw an opportunity at every spot. Somebody he could minister to. A place to open a door at. A place to uh, fill in a gap. He had all those. All his miracles had to do with helping people. I thought about it this morning. I just was glancing through my Bible and the story of Bartimaeus came up. Sitting beside the road, he was not born blind. Uh, I'd always thought he was, but he wasn't. Uh, but the thing is, he was sitting beside the road and he heard he was, Jesus was coming and so he started to holler. And he hollered. And they told him to be quiet. And he just hollered louder. And finally Jesus said, bring him. And when he came, he said that Jesus asked him, what do you want? Now, from my perspective, that borders on a foolish question. Jesus knew this guy was blind. What did he expect he wanted? He wanted to see. And Bartimaeus says, I want to recover my sight. So at one point, he could see. And Jesus said, okay and that quickly it was over Bartimaeus saw and it says he followed him but the miracles just one after another I thought of another one in, in uh, the wedding feast you run out of wine now what are you going to do you can't feed him water and Jesus came in there and just said fill them jars up go take it to the master to the headmaster and what did he have he had wine. Jesus was serving people. His parables were often a parable that spoke of service, of something. And so often Jesus asks us to do the same thing. Not just in parables, not in miracles, but to be, as that song says, the hands and feet of Jesus. To be that person. The third one is teaching a lesson. And this one here is an interesting one. Because I think it's Matthew that the mother of James and John came to ask. And the others, the disciples just disputed among themselves who was the greatest. And Jesus uses this to teach a lesson. Uh, he uses this to say, we're not like the Gentiles who are rulers, who rule over and lord it over people. We are servants to build people up. We're not here to rule. We are here as servants. We are here to help people along the way. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 24 
This is the, this is the story. A dispute also arose among them. Now, can you think that this happened immediately after Passover? They just had talked about Passover and the Lord's Supper. And this is the first thing that hits the fan. They got to fight over who's the greatest. And he says, kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather... Let the greatest among you become the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? And there it is. Who is the greater? And it should have been the disciples serving Jesus. But it was the other way around. Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Jesus changed the equation. One who serves. And the last one, before I get to the last one, an interesting side note about John chapter 13. When you get down toward, the, toward verse uh, 30, somewhere in there, uh, 28, he, he gives the morsel to, to Judas and then he says, what you are going to do, do quickly. And nobody understood it. And then it gets on down, and he says, and this is the contrast between Christ and the devil. So, and John is the only one that mentions it. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he went out, and John says, and it was night. And the very next verse and when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. That quick. I thought about that. I don't think Jesus was able to be glorified in the presence of Judas. Because Judas was Satan-filled. He was not demon-filled. He was Satan-filled. And when Judas left, that's where the glorification started. And from that point on, we see the glorification of Jesus Christ. But it's after Judas left. The contrast is of Christ being the light and the devil being the darkness. And John specifically adds those, three, those four words, and it was night. The last one I want to touch quick. I was going to be done by 1130, but that didn't happen. Uh, the last one I want to touch quick is he gives a new commandment. Uh, Jesus says, and this I found interesting too, I, we always, when we do the, the uh, emblems, almost invariably we quote out of 1 Corinthians 11. Almost invariably. Paul said, and in the night that he was betrayed, he did. That's 1 Corinthians 11. That's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And Paul uses that same quote. The only thing Paul adds to that quote is Jesus only said it after the bread. Paul says it after the wine. He makes it both times. He says, do this in remembrance of me. 
One of the things, and this is just going to be a quick overlook, one of the things about servanthood is also love. And that commandment is also given here, that you love one another. There's a place where he says, and they shall know you're my disciples by your love for each other. And so 1 Corinthians 13, the first three verses, we could probably almost memorize, have it memorized, but the first three verses, love counts. It talks about the things that you do that just makes a lot of noise, but love counts. Verses 4 to 7 is love overrules. It becomes the thing that drives us within a church. That we're willing to let it rule what we want to do. And of course, the last 8 to 13, love endures forever. It doesn't go away. So I was going to read, uh, and I don't know what you're planning, Josh. I was going to read the, the Luke part of, of the uh, Last Supper, uh, but I think I'm going to leave it. I'll, I think you might have something to say there. So, uh, But the idea that we are called to be servants. We're not called to be masters. We're not called to be, be lords over. We are called to be that humble servant who's willing to serve. And we have the three things. Seeing the opportunity. And often in that opportunity, there's a lesson we can learn. And that new commandment to love. Love unconditionally thank you lord for today thank you for the privilege we have of having communion and knowing that your love is unconditional that you are just out to love the world and god that you sent jesus to become our sacrifice and we thank you lord that you have given him to us and he has given us eternal life through that sacrifice. And we just want to thank you again for the blessings that we have through him. Thank you again for your love to us in Jesus name. Amen.